Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Open your Bibles tonight, if you would, please, to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Praise God. While I'm thinking about it, don't forget Reverend Randall Greer. Praise God. Three services with this great man of God. Uh, glory to God. If Reverend Marilyn did not say, I want to remind everyone, I've made the decision we will not live stream these meetings. I want that man of God to be able to be free to say without thinking who's watching. <laughs> and so you got to be here um, to receive of the ministry of Reverend Randall Greer for those three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night. Praise God. All the information's on our website. Bring a friend, come expecting. Repent, get your closet all cleaned up before the man of God gets here. So, Father, we thank you tonight for that which you've ordained for this moment. I thank you, Father, for the bread of the word. It is what makes the difference. God, it's the word that has made the difference in my life. People might say, well, what about the Holy Ghost? It's only through the word that I found out about the Holy Ghost. Oh, who's come to live and dwell in me and in all of us who are born again. Father, unveil the word of God to us tonight. I thank you for using me for my part. I thank you for anointing them for their part. And that at the end we'll all be blessed and helped in Jesus' name. Amen. So in checking my heart about what to minister tonight, um, the Lord just seemed to deal with me about talking to us about faith, believing God. Your faith, my faith is more important than ever, 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 ever. Because all of the things that people lean on to cheat, to not have to use their faith, are crumbling right before our eyes. Amen? Um, I hear stories all the time. I just heard one this week about, um, you know, a credit company just totally, just without any reason or rhyme, telling a major Corporation, we're not going to extend your line of credit. I mean, they're all on time, didn't do anything, but they just took that away from them. What are you going to do now? How about believe God? How about believe God? And, uh, you know, I continue. Now, I know that we're blessed in this church to have so many, um, they're called to it, anointed that work in the medical field. I think in Paducah, the hospitals are the number one employer in our area. Is that right, Karen? I believe so. And, and thank God. Thank God for what they can do. But my opinion of the whole system is very low. It's very, very low. I think the medical community does a great job with surgery. You know where that's going on, things like that. But the whole, um, you know, evil ring of, okay, FDA, food, food industry, pharmaceuticals, we'll make them sick, we'll create the problem, then we'll feed them to you, and you can prescribe them drugs, and, and we'll just, we'll all make money as people die. I don't like that system. And uh, it's been, even, even the good parts of it are becoming more and more expensive. And all of that. What are you going to do? You're going to believe God. That's what you're going to do. Amen. All of the signs, all of the things around us, putting pressure on in every way. What are you going to do? You're going to believe God. So uh, faith has always been critical. Amen. But in your life and mine, we've come to an age, we've come to a time where your faith is more important than ever before. Amen. And we need to have a robust faith, a ever-growing faith, and a faith that is producing results in all the key areas of our life. Amen. I was uh, in my devotional time the other day uh, and in Romans reading this, but I was reading uh, Romans in my Amplified 
uh, Bible, and I came down to verse 16. That's where we're going to read to, but I want to, uh, for context, pick it up in verse 13. So Romans 4.13 from the Amplified says, For the promise to Abraham or his posterity, meaning his seed. Now that's going to be you and me. Let me stop just right now just to get this out of the way. You may know it. But do you realize that you are the seed of Abraham? You are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. You'd have to go to Galatians chapter 3 for one to find that. The last verse in that chapter says, If you be in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and therefore an heir to the promise. What promise? Because we've already read the word promise. Well, the promises that God made to Abraham don't just belong to Abraham. They belong to his seed. And you and I, because we're in Christ, we are Abraham's seed. So it's not just a hope, a wish, or a prayer of mine. Like I was talking about earlier, I want God to do for me what he did for Abraham. It's God's plan that that actually happened. That generation after generation, uh, beyond, you know, at, throughout time, it's an eternal covenant that he made with Abraham into his seed. Amen. That we are living heirs right now today of the blessing of Abraham. Praise God. If you knew anything about what God did for Abraham, Abraham's blessings fall into three categories. Number one, they are spiritual. God became his God. God became his friend. God became his shield. God became everything he needed. He showed up to Abraham, I think in Genesis 18, said, Hey, Abraham, I am your, ex I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I mean... Gold, silver, amen, none of that can compare. When God is your shield, you, have a, you and I have a God-sized shield. Amen. amen. And He is our exceeding great reward. Hallelujah. And so, you know, uh, his, uh, the blessing God made to Abraham was spiritual in nature. Secondly, it was physical in nature. No one harmed him. You couldn't rob or steal from him. You'd be a fool to do it. Uh, if you were an enemy to him, God was your enemy. If you were a friend to him, God was your friend. If you blessed him, God blessed you because you blessed that man. That's why Lot was so blessed. Because he was hanging around with a man blessed of God. Amen. So uh, Abraham's blessings were physical. He was not physically harmed. God kept him in health. And God healed what was wrong with him and his wife Sarah at the time that they came into that covenant. They couldn't have children, but it was the plan of God that they have a bunch of children. Amen. Create a whole race of people. Amen. And so God healed him. And then God kept him. So there, the second category of this blessing that belongs to Abraham, it's a physical blessing. Amen. Thirdly, it was financial and material. That's just undeniable. In Genesis 12, God makes this arrangement. They come into covenant together. In Genesis chapter 13, one chapter later, Abraham is very rich. He is very rich in silver, cattle, and gold. How did he get that way? God got directly involved in the circumstances of his life. Amen? 
and he was blessed for 175 years in total. So spiritual, physical, financial, and material. Those categories. This is a summary of the promise that God made to Abraham, of which you and I, amen, we are heirs to that promise. So back to verse 13. Romans 4, 13, for the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through observing the commands of the law, but through the righteousness of faith. How did Abraham lay hold of these blessings? He did it not through works, not through laws, but by faith. But by faith. And that's how you and I are going to have to do it. Verse 14. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is made futile and empty, and all meaning of the promise of God is made void and annulled and has no power. If faith was not involved, we just need to go back and uh, do, do what we can to obey the laws of Moses. Amen. Thank God we're redeemed from the law. Praise God. Now, we, we, I don't have to go down that road with you. It's still right to keep the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, don't have idols, keep God first. Don't commit adultery. We're not redeemed from that kind of law. Anyway, praise Him. All right, verse 15. For the law results in divine wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression of it, transgression of it either. So now we've come to where I, where I wanted us to be. Verse 16. Therefore... Inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. That captured my attention when I read that this week. Inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and it depends entirely on faith. God's made you promises. But the inheriting of those promises is the outcome of your faith. And it depends whether or not you experience the spiritual, physical, financial and material blessings of Abraham depends entirely on your faith. Not on God. Not on making deals with God. Not trying to think you deserve something from God. But it's, it's through your faith. So the measure of the blessings of God that, that I lay hold of, that's the outcome of my faith. And it's dependent entirely on my faith. How much of the blessings of God you live and you experience will be the outcome of your faith. Amen. And depends entirely on your faith. So how important is faith? What kind of emphasis? You know, think about he being healed. That's a physical blessing. That was part of the covenant. That healing is the outcome of your faith. And depends entirely on your faith. Getting your bills, bills paid through Divine agency, divine help, because you have a covenant and promises with, from God in Christ. We're blessed. Amen. Amen. That, whether you experience that's the outcome of your faith, honey. Amen. 
If you develop your faith, learn how to make your faith work. You have strong faith. You have robust faith. Amen. Uh, for finances, for the blessings of God, and learn how to use your angels and all the different things. Amen. Then to that measure, you'll live the blessings, the blessed life. But if you neglect your faith, you never feed your faith, uh, you never grow in faith, uh, you roll your eyes every time the preacher gets up and says he's going to talk about faith, then you know, you're, you're going to have weak faith, no faith, empty faith tank, and the outcome of your life is dependent on your faith. And mine too. And God is just and fair. God is just and fair. Praise God. And so, you know, faith is a huge, huge thing. You need your faith. Yeah, today you need your faith. So anyway, I'm going to switch back to my King James. Let's read a few more verses here. And it goes on from verse 16 and begins to give us some elements or key ingredients to having strong faith. Amen. Y'all with me? Praise God. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you, this is what God said about Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Before him, that's Abraham, whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. That's a key ingredient to faith. Faith calls those things which be not but it calls them as though they were. So regarding a, a bill you have, the bill says unpaid. But is that the way you want it? No, you want it paid. So faith calleth the bill paid by faith, and that's how it gets paid. That's how God gets involved. Your body... Test results, pain, whatever, says you are sick. Symptoms are present. Faith will call the body healed. You just have to understand, that's a key ingredient to faith. But that's not my focus tonight, so we're moving on. Praise the Lord. So, praise God. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope. See, Abraham had no natural reason to hope that he would be a father of many nations. All he had was what God said. That's all he had. Everything else told him that's impossible. That will never happen. But when you have what God said, that is all that you need. All my needs are supplied. You want to know why? Because my God shall supply. He said it. I believe it. He said it. I believe it. He said, Brother Kevin, by his stripes, you were healed. He said it. Everything else around me may say it's not so. But God said it so. And faith will say it the way God said it. And if we will do that, that's, that's how the body changes. That's how bills get paid. That's how blessings enter our lives that were not there before. Verse 19 says, And Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. 
So many people, they know, they know God requires faith. They've been taught some things about faith, but they weaken their faith by spending so much time considering the problem, considering what's wrong, considering the challenges, the who's, the why's, the what ifs, and all of this. You better get your, you better get your mind off of that. Get your, get your, Abraham did not become weak in faith. Because he did not consider his own body now dead, which it was. What did he consider? He considered what God told him. That's what he considered. His focus, his attention was what did he say? What did he say? What did God say to me? What did God promise me? And he didn't consider the, that which was to the contrary. It says he did not consider his wife's body. Now you got to know that was going to that was going to be a strong temptation to get in the to get in the mental. How's this going to come about? Why has it taken so long? Right? And, and get in, get in the mental. But he refused to consider the natural circumstance. He spent his time considering What God said. You need to be, if you're going to be strong in faith, you need to be totally taken up with what did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Amen. What did he say? About whatever area you're wanting to talk, find out what he said. His word is what he said. And that's what he will make good in your life if you will trust him, if you will believe him. So that's really good, but that's not my... Not supposed to be my focus either. It's four minutes till eight and I hadn't got to my focus yet. So, oh, Jesus. All right, let's read something else about Abraham. In verse 20, it says, he staggered not. In other words, he did not stumble at the promise of God through unbelief. So Abraham, he got to the manifestation. He became what God called him, the father of many nations, because he stepped over the temptation to not believe. He did not stumble and stagger and fall through unbelief. He overcame unbelief. If Abraham could overcome doubt and fear and unbelief, then you and I can overcome doubt and fear and unbelief. And you must if you're going to get to the end of your faith. If your faith is going to produce anything, understand if you doubt, you go without and don't blame God. If you doubt, you go without. If you doubt he's a healer, he will not be that in your life. If you doubt that he's a deliverer and a protector, he will not be able to be that in your life. He will be able to be in your life what you believe him to be with all of your heart, with no doubt. Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 23, whosoever shall say. To this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart that what he said to the mountain will come to pass. Amen? And if he'll do that, he will have whatsoever he saith. And I wrote the end of my Bible, in faith. Amen? So notice, if even in Mark 11, 23, if you doubt, you go without. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I've got something that I've been wanting to be fulfilled, needing 
to manifest. It's really a ministry thing. <laughs> and I'm like, and I just, you know, I just felt like I just had it out a little bit with God today. Not, no, I just not even had it out. I just talked to him. I got real with him. I said, oh, Father, I'm just honest with you. I physically, spiritually, mentally, with all my going out and pouring out, I, I, I feel kind of empty. And uh, now in this one area in the ministry, I want it to come to pass. I need it to come to pass. But I can't say to you, sir, that I believe with all my heart, no doubt, that that's, that, that can come to pass. And rather than reprove me, the Lord said, that's okay. You can get that way. He said, son, you can get that way. And then he said this to me because I was reading Romans. And he said, Abraham did not start out strong in faith. He became that way. He did not start out fully persuaded that God was able to fulfill his promise. But he became that way. He got that way. It says that he was strong in faith and not weak in faith. But he didn't start that way, friends. He became that way. And God was just encouraging me. He said, Chris, you're right. You, 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 right now, I mean, because you, you, you spent your faith. on <laughs> You spent it. Amen. But he said, listen, you've been taught. What should you do? Start feeding your faith for that. And just reminded me of stuff that I learned in the 90s, of just the faith principles, the confession of God's word. That all, oh, Father, you know, I know I need to say it, but I don't believe it when I say it. He said, I know, honey, just keep on saying it, though. Because if you'll keep writing my word on your heart, it's like, it's like he's having to take me back over the same ground that I know and have been living and taught for 20 years. Amen. But see, I'll just reel with him. Father, I know you require faith and I need this thing. I need it. I need it in my church now, like yesterday. But I can't tell you that I qualify, believe it without my heart, fully persuaded, no doubt. <laughs> and he said, well, listen, Abraham didn't either in the beginning, but he got that way. So wherever, guys and gals, you feel weak in faith, don't, that's okay. Just determine, I'm not going to stay weak in faith regarding healing or weak in faith for divine protection or weak in faith about my finances. And just understand that there's a process of building faith. Faith cometh. Faith cometh. Faith cometh. So I just left that time with my father greatly encouraged, greatly encouraged. I know what to do. I know what to do. Amen. And many of you, you know what to do. But, you know, just don't just don't lie to yourself and lie to God, knowing that God requires no doubt. But you doubt in your heart. You doubt. I'm not going to lie to him. And lie and try to delude myself. Have you ever done that? You know, you know that scripture says nothing's impossible with God. And yet you're looking at something and you, you, in your heart, you know, you don't believe that's possible. Well, listen, for God to be able to do that impossibility in your life, he can. But you've got to get on the faith train. But if you're not there in your heart, listen, you can get there through the meditation 
and the positive confession of God's Word. Amen? Hallelujah. So these, all these things here are so important. Like in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Key ingredient. Key ingredient. A worshiper. He was a praiser. He gave glory to God. Verse 21 said that he was fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Fully convinced that God was able to perform what he promised. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm just going to be able to make a mention or two of really what I really wanted to get to here, get to tonight. I just didn't get there. Uh, but Galatians chapter 5, let's go there. It's not mentioned in this passage, but it is the ingredient God highlighted most uh, to me today. And we'll mention it, meddle with it for just a minute or two, and then we'll have to let you go. Praise Him. Praise God. Now, I know that I'm not, I'm not teaching, preaching things that you've not heard. But we need to hear it again and again and again, don't we? So in Galatians chapter 5, and for time's sake, just going to jump right to verse 6 and the Amplified Translation. So it says in the Amplified, Galatians 5, 6, For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only what counts? Faith. Only faith. Now, I love the, energy, uh, the uh, amplified in this. Look at these terms. Activated, faith activated, and energized, and expressed, and working through love. Amen? Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, King James says, but faith working by love. Or faith working through love. Love is an absolute requirement if your faith is going to be active, energized, operative, producing. Amen? Said as simply as I know how to say it. Church, I want to remind you in the strongest of terms. Your faith will not work if you don't walk in love. Amen. We could teach you all the laws of faith. Faith comes and talk about the importance of hearing. And then talk about the importance of confession. And how to act in faith. And all the buttons and the levers of faith. And they're so vitally important. But you can do all that. Many Christians have been taught this. And they uh, are attempting to use their faith, but they are not walking in love. Your faith will not work apart from the love walk. Love is the highest commandment we're living under. Amen? Where is our love as a commandment to be directed first? To God. To God. So are you walking in love toward God? Well, love does no ill. Are we acting in any sort of way that would do ill or harm to our Father, to God? Are you living in such a way that would hurt Him? If you love God, then you want to live your life in such a way that is pleasing to Him. 
Is your, are you obeying the love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength commandment to God? Don't expect, God is not a sugar daddy and he doesn't owe us anything. Faith is not the quarter that we put in a heavenly slot machine to get what we want. Faith works through love. Your love walk must be in place. Is it, church? Is it? If you love God, you love His Word. And we don't get to define what it looks like to love God. God gets to define that. And Jesus, I mean, He set some folks straight, didn't He? He said, I'll tell you who really loves me. You do what I say. Okay, slap me in the face. I mean, that's just kind of blunt, isn't it? But Jesus said, he who loves me keeps my commandments. So if your obedience to the word of God was the measure for your love for him. and you, So you didn't get to say, you didn't get to put your affection in there. You didn't get to put your emotions in there or your thoughts in there. If your love for God was measured by your obedience to his word, how are you doing? If you love me, you keep my commandments. You know what that means? That means you're not going to stay in a situation, maybe you found it out, but you're not going to shack up with somebody that you're not married to because that goes against the word. Your faith's not going to work. I said your faith's not going to work. Now, in so many, we've had so many precious situations come through the church over the last several years. It's so awesome to see. You know, a lot of times they, they know they're away from God. And they know they made mistakes. But, and God's given them time and grace and to get things turned around. And, I, I, and God just does, he's just done wonderful things in couples. He's doing it now. And it's just, I love it. Watch him work that out. But listen, when you know what's right, when you know what's right and when you know what's wrong, and you want to make justifications for doing what's wrong. And you're against the word. You are not loving God. And your faith will not work. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. So, you know, let's be clear-headed. Don't expect your faith to produce any results. Amen. Apart from your love walk. Amen. It just will not work. The word worketh, faith worketh by love, is the Greek word energio, and it means to put into operation, to be effective, to be mighty, active, and powerful. So with that in mind, faith operates and is active and powerful, working effectively through love. Praise Him. Glory. I'm pulling an amber. She, Pastor Amber, she likes silence in her services at times. She's not afraid of the silence. Kind of bothers me, but not, not when she does it, but when, anyway. 
I'm looking for a statement here. Praise God. Yeah, I can't make that statement yet. I'm trying to fast forward, but I can't make that statement. I haven't given you the ground for it. Well, praise God. i got a few minutes here. Faith worketh by love. Love is a commandment. So the first area and the highest area that we're to pay attention to in our love walk is our love for God. So if we want to be effective in faith, we can't let our love for God grow cold. We cannot leave our first love and be effective in faith. But then secondly, of course, the, 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 the next tier of love is you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart and then you shall love your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you know, as a pastor, you, you, you dwell with people. You're, you're in the middle of the, their situations um, and it's an, it's an honor to be. But with that comes pastoral knowledge. Pastor knows things. And... Um, you know, if you're being rough and mean and, and in your marriage, you're, you're weakening your faith every time you act like a turkey in your marriage. When you're not treating your spouse properly, when you're not loving them, when you're not fulfilling your biblical role as a husband, loving your wife the way Christ loved the church, if you're not honoring, ladies, your husbands, the way the church would interact and honor Jesus, then you are weakening your faith. I said you're weakening your faith. I don't care how many scriptures you can quote. You want to know what the sign, what the mark of spiritual maturity is. It's love. It's, it's divine love that has been worked into the mind and the character and the soul of a person. I don't care how many visions you say you have, how many dreams you say you have, how many gifts of the Spirit you claim to operate in, how many scriptures you can quote. To me, the mark of true spirituality is how you interact with people. Amen. Do you walk in love with people? And are you walking in love in your home? Now to finish here, um, I'll touch on this. What are, what are some of the big tripping points for human beings and Christians when it comes to the love walk? Well, the first one I have here listed is being carnal. A carnal Christian is someone who doesn't walk in love a lot. That's one of the, that's one of the outflows of carnality is they have, they're very undeveloped in their love walk because a carnal person is selfish. What carnal means is dominated by the flesh. And the flesh is inherently selfish. So <laughs> there's nothing selfish about love. Not true, pure, divine love. There's nothing self-centered or selfish about it. So faith worketh by love. Faith will not work without love. So this is what this means. Faith will not work when you're carnal. And one of the marks of carnality is selfishness. So you could say it this way, Galatians 5, 6. Faith won't work for the selfish. 
If you're a self-centered, flesh-dominated, carnal bucket of a person, you're going to be weak in faith. Because faith works by love. Now listen, we all, every one of you, we all, me, me first in line, we deal, you carry selfishness around with you in your flesh. And if you're not in the Spirit and developed in love, it's selfishness that's going to drive you and be your inward motivation. It's about me, me, me all the time, me, what I want, my way. And that's not love. If you're in your home fighting for your way, you're not walking in love. And your faith is being hindered. Well, I'm right. You might be. I said you might be. But do you want your faith to work? The Bible says where there's bitter, envying, jealousy, selfish ambition, and strife, there is disorder, confusion, and every evil work is there. So you have got to get things like selfishness and strife and being self-centered and fighting for your way out of your life if you want your faith to work. <laughs> You're like, oh gosh, come on. But I'm, praise the Lord. It, it's absolutely the truth. So, you know, in, in a lot of these scriptures about carnality, other translations will render it selfish ambition. And selfish ambition is simply someone fighting for their way. So husbands, if you go home, it's going to be my way. We'll see. How, you, better come, you better come mentoring class so I can help you tomorrow. Well, I'm the head of my home. Yes, you are. You better act like Jesus to that woman because she's the church and you're Jesus. And if Jesus wouldn't say that to his church, treat his church that way, do that to his church, you have no business doing it. I have never had Jesus come into my morning devotional time stomping his foot going, boy, it's going to be my way. Never. Even though he is the boss. But he's just never treated me that way. Anybody trying to dominate somebody else, you, you left love a long time ago. When you leave love, I mean, you, you men, does your wife have a voice in your family? Does your wife have a say? Do you care about what she thinks? Have you checked with what's in her heart from God about what you're believing or saying is God? Or you just run roughshod over her all the time? That's, is that love? That's not love. Wives, do you show any honor and respect to your man? Or you just you know, chew him up, spit him out, talk about him, talk to all of his faults to mama and sister, all your girlfriends? Is there any honor about you? Is there any deference about you? Is there any respect about you? Is he your hero? When was the last time you, you complimented him, cheered him, rod him, said he did a good job? executed the taking out of the trash just so wonderfully? I mean, come on. What, is the, what do these things have to do with faith? Everything, everything, everything. Amen. Are you walking in love? I'm almost done. Are you walking in love to your pastor? Are you walking in love with your brother and sister in the local church? It's going to affect your faith. Amen. 
It's going to affect your faith. Another huge stumbling block for Christians when it comes to their love walk is touchiness and being offended. If you're touchy-touchy and no one can say anything to you, you can't receive any correction, you're, you're walking a hard road. And your faith is not going to work. He who hates correction, the Bible says, is stupid. Amen. And it's the love of God that brings correction. I love something that I heard, I've heard Pastor Nancy say it a couple of times in recent services. And she said, church members make a devastating mistake when they allow themselves to form greater connections with people in the church than they do with their pastor. Never develop a greater connection with someone in the church above your pastor. Why? Because if they get offended, you'll leave with them. Because you're friends. You see, I don't, I don't go to the restaurants and hang out with you guys on Friday, you, but you do that on, with each other, and that's good. That's right. But if one starts chewing me up, you better watch it. Never allow yourself to have a higher connection in the church with someone else other than your pastor. That's how you'll lose your pastor. Offense is a dangerous thing. The Bible says someone offended cannot, it's very difficult for them to ever be one again. For that relationship to ever be healed. And if you're, if you're, if you're an eggshell kind of person, if you're touchy, and quick to be opinionated and offended about everything, you're not going to make it in faith or life. You better get over that. Right? Jesus came with a strong anointing to his own hometown in Mark chapter 6, and it said, who is this guy? Isn't this, uh, you know, Joseph's son? And You know, we know his brothers, and he's just a carpenter, and it says they were offended at him. Well, listen, how are you going to receive... From someone you're offended with. You're far from faith when you're offended. Far. Don't be deceived, church. You cannot be offended and in faith at the same time. You can't be offended with a politician, offended with your pastor, offended with your wife, offended with your boss, and then come in church, wave your hanky, and think you're a big faith man. It's just not going to work. Preaching real good. How come you're not standing waving your hanky? <laughs> These are rubber meet, meets the road issues. And it's why people, are, they don't understand why their faith isn't producing for them. But they're not walking in love. And faith won't work without love. White people better love black people. Black people better love white people. Men better love women. All, I mean, all the way around. Agape, agape, you better get on the love train. Better get with it. I'm just trying. I know I'm out of time. Focus on your love walk. Brother Hagen said this. He said, when it comes to living in health, I lean and look more to my love walk to keep me healthy than I do my faith. If you want to live healthy... Your faith does matter. But faith works by love. And so we have got to keep things lovely in our relationships. Lovely. Amen. With our pastor. 
Lovely. Lovely. Amen. 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 Praise God. With your family. Those you're living under a roof with. You better have a standard in your home. No strife. No fussing. No fighting. No going to bed angry. No domination. No touchiness. No offense. You better get to a zero tolerance policy with some of these issues. Because we're living in a day where we'll only overcome through our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. And faith works only by love. Amen? Amen. I didn't get near out what I wanted to get out about love. Praise God. Just remember when your flesh rises up and you're about to contend for what you want in your way. Remember, just stop and ask yourself, can I do this and stay in the love of God? Because love gives. Now, I go home, I want my way. Just telling you, when I go home, I want my way. But I'm schooling myself in, it's just so much better and more peaceful. I get more kisses when I let her have her way. Yeah, can I, I'll take an extra 20 after the service for that. <laughs> I'm not talking about men not being leaders and being doormats. Right? And this kind of love, it doesn't open you up to that kind of abuse either. Right? But real love just knows I can be happy and okay. I can be right and tight with my father and not get my way. And some people, the way they act, they ain't going to be sane or fit to be around if they don't get their way. And that is far, far, far from the way our father is, the way love is. I'm going to dismiss the service. I'm going to come over here. I want in on the joke, all right? Let's stand up tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is love an option for the Christian? Love is a commandment. And you and I are living every day under the commandment as Christians to love God with everything that we are. Amen. And that that love means... We obey His commandments to the best of our ability. And when we miss it, and we all do, we repent and ask God to forgive us. Praise God. That's another huge thing. Love forgives. Love forgives. Quickly. You know, love doesn't give itself three days to fester on a grudge. No. And love doesn't wait on feeling like forgiving. Love is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. Amen. Father, we want to be strong in faith. Strong in faith. And there are a lot of issues, apart from the immediate operation of of faith, that is so critical to whether or not our faith is effective. Peter said, add to your faith and name six or seven, eight things. One of them... Two of those in that list have to do with love. 
And so, Father, we end tonight just being reminded about how important it is that we love each other. That we have love in our home, love in our heart, love at work, love at church, love for you, Father. And for those that have left their first love, I pray that they would repent tonight. Ask you to forgive them for, drift from, for drifting away from a love relationship with Jesus. And that God, that the blood of Jesus would cleanse us tonight from any fault, any place that we've stepped. You know, every step out of love is a step into sin. And so forgive us tonight, Father, for all of the areas that we've just lacked love so that our faith can be effectual, that we can lay hold of the blessings and promises of God. I thank you for each and every one that's here tonight. May your blessing rest strong and heavy upon them. And I just thank you for good, 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 good things happening in their life, yea, this week, in Jesus' name. Father, I commit them into the hands of the angels to escort them safely home. Give them a sweet sleep, a restful night. Bless their day tomorrow. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We'll go and be blessed tonight. God bless you.